0: happy sunday everybody welcome to episode 37 of our weekly cricket podcast and we are back in sydney again this week aren't we sid um, and this week it, we are celebrating the fact that it was the semi-finals and the final of the WBBL. So, a week ago we predicted who we thought was going to get to the final and who we thought was going to win. And were we right, Sid?
1: Well, the first semi-final, the Stars won reasonably straightforwardly against the Scorchers. So that all went according to form mm-hmm. and according to predictions. But the other semi-final, which was the Thunder against the Heat. Well, what happened there, F?
0: Well um it didn't go the way that we predicted which was that we said that we thought that the heat would win um and they didn't they lost to the thunder in the end and it was a really exciting semi-final compared with the other one which was pretty much a bit of a walkover sad to relate as a scorcher supporter but there you go um but no in the the heat v thunder match um I I think I tweeted afterwards, I thought there were a couple of really key moments in that. Um, One of them was Tammy Beaumont's direct hit to run out um, Nadine de Klerk, I think it was, Um, and when she was looking like she was going to be kind of um, hanging around for a while. Um, And then towards the end, they had um, Laura Kamintz coming in and bashing it around, and it did really look like um, they were going to get to their total. Um, But then suddenly they lost, um, what was it, the last six wickets for 11 runs or something ridiculous like that. They had a a huge batting collapse. Um, And I think that the other kind of key turning point that I identified was Amelia Kerr came in in, I think it was the 16th over, um, panicked a bit uh, and then was run out kind of backing up. Um, much too enthusiastically at the non-strikers end um, and really um, you know she sees herself as, a, as an all-rounder and as somebody who wants to make a name as being a good batter and that was a, a real moment for her to calmly along with commence to take the um, take the semi-final over the line for the heat um, and she and she just panicked and sort of lost her head which I suppose people do do in those kind of make or break situations um, and it was just a bit unfortunate in the end so very exciting finish and then and it was um, it was the Thunder who progressed to the final, um, and again um, we got that prediction a bit wrong in the sense of we said that that we thought that the Stars were going to win the final, um, and they didn't, did they? And and it was actually a bit one sided in the end. Were you were you a bit surprised by the way that the final unfolded, Sid?
1: Well, I was in that the Stars ultimately were disappointing, and they'll know that. There's no secret there. They'll be disappointed with themselves, and Madelaine clearly was afterwards. Um, you know. But you have to give some credit really to the to the thunder as well that um, you know it, it was all set off in the first like seven overs by Shadnim Ishmael's bowling performance mm. um, which was just outstanding um you know you usually take your best bowler in a t20 and you know you'll give them a couple of overs up front and maybe you'll give them a third over um, if you know if things are going really well and take them to the end of the power play um, but there was a key decision made there wasn't there Raf, to, to give Ishmael the that final over. So they were they were like, Well we'll take a bit of a gamble here. She's bowled really well so far, I'll take a bit of a gamble. Um we'll bowl her out now. We won't have any overs of her left at the yeah. end. Um but, you know, let's see where we go with it. And that gamble paid off the first ball of that seventh over, didn't it Raf?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The first ball off the power play. Um she had Meg Lanning caught behind um, some, some lovely um, movement of the ball and uh, Meg Lanning yeah, caught behind and, and they were, I think it was 3 for 20 and they never recovered from there um so and that was obviously a huge wicket to get Lanning um she'd been dropped first ball by Tammy Beaumont which we probably shouldn't mention that that's a bit mean isn't it um but yeah so um it wasn't as costly as as it might have been on other days um and then yeah it's just a a big batting collapse wasn't it
1: well yeah and they just they just weren't very good I mean they were given lots of lives right we Mm. saw the number of drop catches you know there's we're not the first to notice this, there were a lot of drop catches, Um, I mean, yeah, they did bowl well up top, and it wasn't just this up top, Um, you know, the it's no good having one bowler bowling brilliantly in the power play and the other bowler you know, going for 30 runs at the other end. But Sammy Joe Johnson in particular yeah. uh, gave Ismail great support. She, she really bowled bought, two more overs in the power play. Yeah,
0: she really bought Villan- Villani's wicket, didn't
1: she? Yeah. So, um, But, you know, y- you get to that point at the end of the power play and they just were ne- never able to, to get their foot down mm. after that. You know, it, yeah. that, that really set the tone for the game. Um, and they, they shouldn't have allowed that to happen, really. That was just poor. You should go, OK, even, even if you have that bad power play you know you've still got a few wickets in hand you've still got in theory plenty of batting you should be able to you know push on and and go okay well we haven't made many runs in the power play but you know now let's try and push forward in the middle overs but they just never did that they never got going and ultimately they slumped to a really disappointing score and made it reasonably straightforward for the thunder didn't they
0: yeah they did 86 86 in a final is is not great very disappointing for them and then obviously um as you said um the The Thunder did um, lose a couple of wickets, but then when you've got uh, Rachel Haynes and and Heather Knight coming in, to, to see you over the line, there's not, there's no two better players in that situation.
1: Yeah, there were some interesting debates going on on commentary, weren't there? Um, Lisa has said, "Oh, you know, they need to play the natural game. They need to, you know, act as if they're chasing, you know, 140 mm. here." And I actually disagreed with that. I, I was, I, I was like, well, you know, they, they've actually, it's not like ch- if, if you're chasing 120, then yes, act like you're, you're chasing 140. But if you're chasing 80, why take the risk? The only way the Thunder were going to lose that game was if they lost a pile of wickets. And the yeah. way to lose a pile of wickets is just to act as if you're chasing twice as many runs as you actually are Um, so I think that they played the right approach and um, there was an interesting comment on Twitter that we had from Chris Brooker saying that um, you know people do need to play their natural game and I do understand that Um, but if there's two players in the world you're gonna you're gonna nominate to be in that situation where they're not necessarily playing their natural game it would be Heather Knight and Rachel Haynes. Heather Knight in particular she doesn't really have a natural game you know, she can play any game that you want. That's a compliment, and she,
0: by the way. <laughs> and
1: absolutely, she and she just—it's not even you know within um, you know a season or within a game. She can she can play two games within one. So she can have a natural game where she plays her natural game. You know. Uh, to playing at four and over and then suddenly she'll flick a switch and she'll be playing her natural game at hitting 18 and over and they're both her natural games um, yeah. and we kind of saw that off the last ball in fact when yeah. she was like okay well you know my natural game for this last ball will be to smash it for six just yeah. to prove that I can do that too and uh, you know finish she in style yeah so you know, once those two were together at the crease, you just knew that, that Heather, in particular, was just going to drive forward, do everything that she needed to do, yeah. make all those right calculations. I said before, from the Kia Super League final, uh, the last time out for the Kia Super League, that she plays it almost like a darts player. She's like, well, okay, I need a I need a double two and a treble twenty and a 18 with I
0: don't bar dark, and, so
1: uh, and a tail spin. Okay, um, I think that's what darts <laughs> th- works like, um, and she does it. Um, and okay. it's just it's just outstanding, so you know, really well played to both those players as well, because you know sometimes thirty off sixty balls is not the easiest situation to in to be in, but they made it look mm. really easy
0: absolutely and um, from a star's perspective, they were huge favorites going into the final. I think that um, just right beforehand it was meant to be seventy five twenty five percent in their favor. What went wrong for them?
1: Yeah, well, now certainly if you were if you were putting money on it, then yeah, as we kind of did, not real money, but you know we put our put our reputations on the line, and, um, and so we've lost <laughs> them. <laughs> and we've lost our <laughs> reputations. <laughs> um, they they just weren't good enough on the day, were they? But you know, credit to them that they they were the best team throughout the tournament, mm. and it's kind of interesting to ask, you know. Um, they they won the the ladder stage convincingly. They were the best team in the tournament. Is it fair the way that that pans out, Raph? That, you know, you're the best team in the tournament but you don't walk away with the trophy? Is that fair?
0: Well, them's the breaks. I think that that is often how cricket is structured, though, isn't it? Um, Sophie Devine, ahead of the Scorcher semi-final, talked about the fact that you basically have to treat it with a complete um, kind of clean break, um, you just have to forget about everything that's happened in the group stages and it's all or nothing um, and the best players kind of thrive on that pressure and sometimes people crumble under that pressure um, and that is also reflected in the international situation for tournaments. It doesn't matter what happens in the group stages, um, if you get to the semi-finals, if you get to the final then it's it's winner takes all. Um, so I guess that the WBBL, the way it's structured is, is kind of reflecting that. So while it's unfortunate for the stars in one way um, and they will absolutely be kicking themselves with the way that they underperformed in the final. Well, that's just happened sometimes. Um, I think I actually tweeted saying, you know, all teams have bad days. You just really hope that your bad day doesn't come in the final. Um, and for them, it did.
1: Yeah, Mae Lanning wasn't terribly happy about it at the end, was she, Raph? <laughs> you know, she was She was clearly a, one very disappointed cricketer.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, not seen her that upset visibly because she's normally quite closed um, you can't normally read her emotions very easily from her facial expressions but I've not seen her like that since um, Australia got booted out of the 2017 World Cup in the semi-final after being Harman Um and so she was she was obviously very very upset very emotional about it she moved teams this season um, and was hoping that she could somehow be I guess the, the person who rescued the stars, who have never, um, who have never made finals before in the WBBL, and um, this was kind of that was sort of her job, and maybe perhaps she feels that she she didn't quite um achieve that um she was she did come in for a bit of criticism on twitter in the way that she um in the post match she kind of um, went up onto the podium and and was um quite kind of brusque um and wanted clearly wanted to get off stage as quickly as possible um said very very little Um, and if you contrast that with the way that rachel haynes was so gracious in victory um I guess meg Lanning didn't come out of it looking too too well um it's easy i suppose to be gracious if you're the winning captain um but you know rachel haynes made a point of saying well done to the stars you've had a really good season um and this kind of didn't really reflect that for you um you know so you know she was very much saying i'm your commiserations to you she also made a big point of thanking everyone behind the scenes who's worked so hard to put the wbbl bubble Um, on and to make sure that the tournament could happen and we know that there's been lots of people who have basically had to live away from their families for weeks on end haven't had any of the glory from playing the cricket have just been working away behind the scenes to make it happen so kudos to them and rachel haynes kind of recognized that and and then only then did she come on and say oh and you know well done to my team because um i'm really proud of you um and we didn't really get any of that from from meg lanning so it was um she was obviously very disappointed, um, but perhaps uh, you know I was I was actually quite upset myself to see the fact that um, it was Alana King who was bowling um, right at the end, and she got boshed for that six by Heather, um, and she just sunk to her knees, um, and she was just in the middle of the pitch, and she was really, really visibly very distressed by what had happened. Um, and it wasn't her fault. It was the batter's fault for so, so badly underperforming. And yet not one Stars player went up to her and gave her a pat on the back and, and you know, or a hug and, and said, um, you know, commiserations, it's not your fault. Don't worry about it, mate. That's what you want. Um, that's what you want from your team even if you've lost and everyone's really gutted you know you go and give somebody that pat on the back and, and nobody did that and that actually was quite striking it was you know we've we've heard the stars talking about what a great team they are and, and how much they've got this great team spirit but that one moment for me really stood out as something that was um, quite upsetting to watch
1: yeah team spirit comes when you lose really not when you win
0: <laughs> well sorry yeah Exactly. Um, anyway, so, but congratulations to um, all of the, the Thunder team. Um, very well deserved in terms of you were definitely the better team on the day. Um, and, that, and as I say, that's what it's all about. Um, but WBBL is now over for another year. And we're bereft. What are we going to do, Sid? Well, oh,
1: we've got the 100 to look forward to next year.
0: Hooray!
1: Hurrah! <laughs> Hurrah for the 100! Um, that sounds
0: like the name of an Enid Plyton book, <laughs> hurrah for the 100.
1: Um, so yeah, when we actually had some, we had some, well, not, should we call it big news, we had some interesting news about the 100 yeah. this week, didn't we Raph, about the venues, tell us about that.
0: Sure, okay, um, well, so while some of the women's games were going to be played at the same venues as the men's, um, a lot of them were actually gonna be played at different grounds, weren't they, all around the country. So, um, you know, some of them are gonna be played at, at Sedba School in the middle of nowhere. Um, some of them were also gonna be played at different county grounds. So the Welsh fire were gonna be playing at Taunton, for example. Um, rather than where the men's venues are which is kind of the main locations of the the eight teams but actually what the ECB have now said is that um, all of the women's matches are going to be played at the same eight grounds as the men's matches are going to be played at so that was the that was the big news this week um Obviously, that leaves you with some quite disappointed people, um, especially those who were well, so Sussex put out a statement um, very soon after this news was announced saying we're really disappointed. Um, you know, they didn't hold back in, in saying that, um, that yeah, they found the, the decision kind of quite disappointing. And obviously, from their perspective, they were the ones who were meant to be hosting women's finals day weren't they? Um, in the hundreds. And um, therefore, they're going to lose out potentially on, on quite a lot of revenue. Uh, it's obviously been a difficult year for clubs like Sussex, given that they haven't had any crowds coming into matches. Um, and so this is going to be quite a blow for them
1: financially yeah and those close clubs were told with regard to the to the to the men's hundred mm-hmm. when when those teams um, you know like somerset and things didn't get franchises for the men's hundred um you know they were told at the time well you know your consolation is that you can host some of the women's games and that you know you can be the hub and the center of the women's game when that this this growing part of Of the cricket family and now they've turned around and gone well guys actually sorry um so you know this is this is partly as a result of coronavirus isn't it raf and you know there's there's obviously got to be some financial concerns underlying this um the ecb haven't really said too much about that um you know they're trying to present the positives as as you'd expect i guess Mm -hmm. so they're going that you know um there are some positives here what what are those positives in terms of
0: there are some, absolutely. Um, so I suppose, um, as you said, it's it's probably COVID-related. Um, it's it's about saving some money, um, and you know, from a women's cricket perspective, I suppose from, you know, a very minimalist view would be, well, they're, they're at least going ahead with the women's 100s. Um, you know, five years ago, perhaps they might have just said, oh, well, we won't bother playing the women's 100 because it's not going to draw in as much revenue. We'll just stick with the men's one. Um, so I suppose that would have been a bit of a PR disaster in terms of the way they've presented the hundred as this really big um, step of progress for women's cricket. Um, but yeah, they are they're still going ahead with the women's, with the women's competition, Um, it's just that it's gonna be played at the same venues as the men. Um, So I suppose that's positive. Um, other other advantages, Sid.
1: Well, there's there's a marketing aspect, isn't there? I think that, that that in terms of the marketing, the women will get probably more attention because they're going to be there at the grounds. Um, you know, it would have been easy for the the men's organisation in inverted commas to to forget about the women's team when they're off at Sedba School or you know in in another country in the case of the Welsh <laughs> fire. Um, but they won't be able to do that now. They'll be they'll be very much a part of it, and it 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 does have the potential to build more of a family idea around it, a bit like they've done with mm-hmm. the You know, all these BBL, WBBL franchises talk about like, you know, the Sixers family and the Heat family, and, you know, that's that's a big thing. Um, So they can take advantage of that. Um, You know, and there are some advantages at playing at at these big grounds as well in terms of like the the coverage. There may well be more matches on TV, but if they aren't on TV, they'll almost certainly be live streamed Mm -hmm. now. There were some doubts about whether they'd be able to live stream every match Mm -hmm. because of infrastructural issues, Mm -hmm. whereas there were no infrastructure issues. All these big, uh county grounds most of which are also test grounds they all have permanent infrastructure to do things like live streaming it's literally a question of someone flicks a switch and and turns that on um you know it means that that everyone will be there all the time um you know the marketing people will be there all the time the people that do things like provide the commentary will be there so you know there's there's definitely some pluses there and we're um... guessing this has come down very much to you know, that the women's competition needed to find savings somewhere. They decided not to save money on the salaries, which again, they could have done. They could have gone, well, you know, we're going to cut the women's salaries as well as the men's, because they have cut the men's salaries. They haven't done that, but they've had to find some savings from somewhere, and this is where, where they're going to come from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose it's possible that um, the women's games might get a bit more coverage in some, some of the mainstream media. Um, because um, the togs, as we call them, the, the people who cover the other game, i.e., men's cricket, um, wouldn't have been schlepping to Sedba, Probably wouldn't have been um, schlepping to Taunton. Um, but but you know, if they're at those main eight grounds, then they might cover the women's game. Um, although on the um, on the flip side of that, that means that the people who are writing about the women's game might not be those who actually know anything about it. Um, and the other the other point of course is that um, it's likely that a lot more of the matches are going to end up being double headers although the ecb have skirted around that issue a little bit we don't have a finalized schedule i suspect that those decisions haven't actually yet been fully confirmed fully made yet Um, but given that the the women are going to be based at the same venues you'd expect there to be more double headers and we're not massive fans of double headers are we sid
1: uh we're not no because you know we we want the women's games stand independently and we'd rather see the women playing their you know their own game where they can build up their own fan bases yeah. and we know they do have their own fan bases yeah. because you know they're you guys out there that are you know paying attention to the women's game specifically um but you know the other side of that coin is the double headers do allow you know tv to be done more mm-hmm. easily you know and they'll, they'll get us a little bit more exposure in other ways potentially. I think really the big question though, Raf, is what's going to happen the season afterwards, isn't it? What's what's the situation at the moment? What are they saying?
0: Well, they have said that it will be reviewed at the end of the 2021 summer and they will look at what's happened and how, how things have worked. Um, so it's an interesting one, isn't it? I wonder whether some of that is is potentially to placate people like the guys at Sussex um, who... You know, if you say to them, oh, well, it's only for one year and then we'll see what happens, might be less likely to make a big fuss about it. What do you think, Sid?
1: Yeah, it's it's obviously something politically that you definitely, you say in these situations, you go, oh, we'll review it next year. But uh, certainly a promise to review it isn't a promise to reverse it. And, you know, the fact remains that we know that there are people, you know, within the cricket hierarchies at the ECB who would find their lives... Much made much easier if there were only eight teams to worry about, and who aren't massively bothered if the smaller men's counties, you know, disappear and you know into some sort of second division of semi-professional status. So you know we'll see what happens there, but I don't think it will be a massive surprise if this ends up sticking.
0: No. Well, as you say, we've got all that to look forward to next year. Um, WBBL is over and we've got a couple more months of winter to get through somehow so we'll carry on with the vodcasts. It's something to do isn't it? Gets us through the weekend. Um, Thanks as ever for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Bye.